Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I might chip out, man. I got this, yeah. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time to listen to Reese and Dan on the Angle Pick Pod. Angle Pickers. That's how Kobe does it. I usually go, welcome back, Angle Pickers. But I'm mixing it up today. We have what is now our full pod. We have Angry Country Club Kobe. Kobe, other than the angry part, are you, are you feeling okay? I'm doing good. Good. That's what I like to hear. And then what we do, have what do country club people do when they uh, get angry, go to the racquetball court. Yep. And get all, no, they hit, they hit golf balls and drink Arnold Palmer's virgin, of course. Um, Just banging out long drives. And then if you haven't already noticed the, I would say the best capper on the ankle pick team, Danny's in the house. What's up, Danny? What up? What up? We did, and we did another green week to before. Exactly. I didn't want to gas you up too much. But you are on the ball, not only with tracking your plays, but also you just, I mean, every episode I'm like, oh, Danny, how'd you do? Green. Oh, Danny, how'd you do? Green. Oh, Danny, how'd you do? Green. So at this point, I might as well just give you the crown and I'll just say that I'm the personality of the podcast. You know, I bring the fire while you bring the picks. Um, I still have some catching up to do and set the spread. I can't, I can't crown, can't, can't crown me yet. And if you haven't checked the most recent episode on Set the Spread, it is live everywhere. So get after that. Okay, let's talk turkey. So we did the recap with the Set the Spread this week. So, because we didn't want to go stale. So we have news and notes with Country Club Kobe. And then, are we going to recap Tuesday Contender Series, boss? Um, He mutedly said, yes, sir. So it sounds like we're going to recap Tuesday Contender Series, goes to news and notes, and then Danny's going to spit off some fire picks as long as well as myself for this week's UFC Paris, which is a day card. Son of a bitch. Um, let's start with the Tuesday night contender series recap. So Danny had all this crazy, like really big sports betting and research stuff to do. So he didn't make it. Kobe, did you catch all of the fights for Tuesday night contender series? I did. Who was your bright like if you said uh, this guy off this episode is going to make the biggest wave in the UFC? Who do you say? I want to say there's a lot of good talent here. There's a lot of good talent here. I wanted to say Builder, but Builder, it's because it cast you a little ticket, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. So Kobe and I both rode Builder uh, plus the plus a bunch. Defending CFFC champ against a guy who's a one-dimensional striker. And no disrespect to Alex Morgan, but he definitely relies on his striking. And Builder, holy shit, this guy looked good. Took took him down, took the back with – he actually dropped him and then took the back within seconds. Uh, for a 45er, is lightning. So Builder got it and secured a contract. The next was a underdog spot, and this was <laughs> Fade Yanni. Yanni was on Alex Morgan minus 200 with – then he was on Maria Silva minus 300 with Victoria Dudikova. Not as well-rounded, I would say, as far as skill sets go. Maria Silva already was on the contender series, but 
She's got a lot of strength and a lot of heart. Secured herself a contract um, at the 115 flyweights. Mateus Rebecki, who Danny didn't even need to see, and you already know that's his boy. He locked up a rear naked choke over a significantly bigger Rodrigo Ledio, also securing himself a contract. And it was honestly like watching. I actually was laughing. I tweeted this. It was like watching Mark Hunt for Stefan, Stefan Struve. Rodrigo Ledio is like 6'5", and Mateus Rubetsky is like 5'7". But the dude's an absolute muscle. He looks like an Elar Latifi. I mean, the dude is just a cinder block of muscle. Once it got to the mat, it was pretty much over. He's the one that I think is going to have the most success in the UFC because he's so, I think he's the most talented currently. But I think this guy is going to be the biggest um, draw out of all these guys because you got to, this guy is uh, Cedricus Dumas, guillotine choke, standing 47 seconds into the fight. And the dude is even more of a personality than his performance. He was wiling. So I'm excited to see what he brings. Climbs to 7-0 and beats a formerly 6-0. Matej Panez, who I was high on going in. I actually placed a wager on him that that missed. And then Yusaka uh, Kinoshida also won. Oh, uh, Cedric Dumas got a contract. All the winners got contracts. And then Yusaka, or yeah, Yusaka Kinoshida defeats Jose Henrique. And it was a really technical fight. I think Jose Enrique is going to be in the UFC someday. He was, he showed, he he was able to stand and they were both very technical, but Kobe, that left cross after the, after the slip was, I mean, how do you even, what did you jump out of your seat? It was ridiculous. It was clean. Yeah, it was clean. Yeah. He slipped a right and came back with a a straight left, like right across and just knocked him on his ass, followed up with some ground and pound, gets the third round KOT go. So we got five winners, four finishes, four fast, three first round finishes. And Yanni the Greek also went 0-5. So he's an all-time fade level. Like it's it's, I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen anything like it. I I think he was over five straight up and then each leg of his three leg parlay also lost. So yeah. with over the six distance. and that's over. And then that also six. happened last week too. He went 0 for 5 and his parlay reverse sweeped. Basically, no one really knows how he got the job. He's a massive, I don't want to say fraud. I mean, but he he just rattles off. He's like a consultant. He rattles off a bunch of buzzwords and you're like, oh, this guy knows what he's talking about. And then at the end of the day, you're like, what did you do for my project? Just go on five. So Consultants and Yanni the Greek, I avoid. News and notes, Country Club. Tuesday Contender Series has been an absolute blast this summer. That's where I'm closing that. Um, two pink slips. Oh, two. I don't think that we're shocked by, but Wu Yanan and yep. formerly of pay per view main card. Yep. Very yeah, I, I did see those, but are those the only two pink slips this week? That's all I saw. Okay. No, I mean, I'm sure that is it. Uh, it's just like sometimes, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like there's more, uh, I, I want to say fat to trim off the UFC roster. 
Yeah, even, really as we'll see this, even as we'll see this week, there's some guys that they need to keep around for some situational kind of events, yeah. like uh, the first time in France, and all of a sudden, all the French fighters are dropping off. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, we'll get into that. Um, speaking of this week in France, UFC and Venom announced a multi-year extension this week. Venom is a uh, French company, so it was, I don't know if it was the contract was actually up or this was just an opportune time to spotlight one of their partners. But nonetheless, we get more Venom content. So I was actually going to ask that, and I don't know if you know the answer, but I don't, what, I thought Venom was a line under Reebok. It's a completely different company. Completely different company. That's called Venom. Mm -hmm. Do they do anything outside of fight kits? Uh, I mean, they make a lot of fight gear, like training pads. Oh, okay. That's sweet. I did not know that. Okay. That, that was kind of the biggest plus of when they made the switch from Reebok to Venom is that the gear was going to be more oriented towards fighting and less towards sportswear. Okay. Yeah, I love to see. I mean, their gear looks sick, but I kind of thought with the name Venom, it was like a line under Reebok, like Reebok Venom. You know what I mean? But okay. Look at that. You learn something new every day. Did it, is it shocking that it took me two years? Maybe, but nonetheless. Forever who's keeping track of that one. Exactly. Um, some combat sport fight news and former UFC, I mean, dare I say GOAT, Anderson Silva in the news this week. Works or in the works is a boxing match against Jake Paul. I guess props where props is due to Jake Paul. He's now taking fights that he should lose. See, again, though. It's a 44-year-old mixed martial artist. I mean, it's 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 a fight that, like, I can see how he would lose. But, like, when he wins, are we still – we're still asking the same questions. Like, if he wins – I mean, what, what are the I – don't, I don't think we need to go way down this rabbit hole. No, we, we don't. We think Jake Paul like, is a talented boxer. I, do, I think he's – yeah, I think he's fine. So, he's now he's – And they're saying that, like – Real – What I'm saying is if he fought on a top-ranked – main card on ESPN, he would lose his bout. Yeah. Against any real true professional. But and he's also making more money boxing than any no, other. No, for sure, for sure. But that's what it is. But we just need to make sure that that's what we know it is. It's a, it's for money, not for, for actual, like, I'm going for a title. That's all. Yeah, for now. So there's and another I, spectacle fight. Now, like, he might try to, like, get a little more serious with it, but I don't think he's ever going to contend for it. I mean, he's going to beat a 44-year-old, and then we're going to say, wow, he beat I don't think he's going to win this one. I will say that the, the main difference for me between this and the um, Woodley fight is that Silva is his size and Silva has been boxing. He had a, a win over Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., the former champion. Um, I mean, he smoked Tito Ortiz, which no one's surprised about, but then also Bruno Rosarito. He's fought three boxing exhibition matches albeit since his retirement, but you're right. He's 47 years old, but he's in 47 boxing. The fact that I was low on 44 is crazy. And that's just it. I mean, again, not to dive too deep down the rabbit hole, but it's like at 47, your reflexes slow a little bit. Can 35 year old Anderson Silva outbox his cat? Yeah. But it's also going to be really, really interesting to see how Anderson takes it. We've seen Anderson in UFC title fights, throw hands down, like yeah. trust my reflexes, movement, head movement, whatever. 
Danny, if he's boy, doing Chris that, Weidman. I'm saying if, if he's doing that kind of stuff and Jake Paul like chins him, am I going to learn anything? No, like it's no. just like, oh shit, right? Spider Silva did it again, right? Right, Dan's favorite fighter, Chris Weidman. Speaking of Chris bad. Weidman, shout out to our sponsor, Malort. That's all, yeah, this is Malort. That's all, get him in the frame. Um, I got some fight announcements to run through here. And we'll start not this weekend, but next weekend, September 10th, Kevin Holland and Daniel Rodriguez. Really fun matchup. I didn't realize D-Rod was a 70. He's long for 70. And yeah, that's not a, no, yeah that, that, that'll be a fun boxing match. We have almost a full month later is actually not a fight announcement. Some unfortunate news. Sean Strickland hurt finger is out of his match against Jared Cannonier. I haven't seen any kind of replacement. That one might just get pushed because I know that they're, you know, top contender type guys and both coming off a loss, but we'll see what happens with that one. Is there more detail than hurt finger or is that all we have? Like, is it, do we know what the, uh, I guess I'm asked do we know what the timetable is? I, I don't know off the top of my head. Okay. Well, that's what I was. That would just be the answer mark between if it, it gets pushed back or rescheduled. Right. But um, let's see here. November twelfth. This is UFC two eighty one at MSG. Bobby Green and Guram Kutateladze. Incredibly fun fight. Yeah, More I think Guram. Yeah, I I think that Guram's so good. Um, that Mateus Gamrot fight. Will age as a legendary fight. I know Danny scored it for Mateusz, but still, <laughs> it really will Ridiculous. go down. In, in, no, like especially after Mateusz's performance recently, right? That's what, just going to age and age and age. Like five years from now, we're going to look back and just be like, that fight is ridiculous. <laughs> we're already looking back, like a year and a half, two years later, and it's right fucking sweet. Guram's fought once since then. Fucking Guram, dude, he's goaded. He was undersized in that too. I love it. The following week, I've got a couple to announce. Zaga Zumagulov and Charles Johnson. Really fun matchup. I, I, I yeah. think that Charles Johnson has a pretty – he's a live dog there. I don't expect him to be favored. Uh, not to blow some set to spread in the future. I don't think it's going to be on a main card. I'm with but, you, um, though, but yeah. Potentially. I mean, Charles Johnson's fought uh, – who was it? Mokayev is Mokayev. He looked I, as as dominant as Mokayev looks. Jordan, or, sorry, I'm all mixed up. Ooh, he's getting ready for this card. I am, but uh, yeah, we've got a lot of dog. Also on that card, Muslim Salikov and Andre Fiala. Fireworks. Yep. Two guys where I don't think that will ever be really in line for gold, but let's watch them kick each other in the face. Do you know who I feel like Fiala is going to be? He's going to be like a uh, a really good gatekeeper. I feel like he's going to be a guy that like the bottom like ranked gatekeeper. Yeah, yeah like four, yeah, 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 like 13, 14, 15. Like people under that probably will crack to his pressure in his hands. And then people who are like have multiple foundations and levels will be able to solve the Fiala puzzle. I, I was just about to say the more I'm thinking about this fight, the more I'm going to absolutely hammer Salikov. I think he's just so much more sophisticated. Yeah, it's a little early. I, I, I need to see a little bit more first. I, I, I think that we're going to have a good spot here too. 
I, I really am excited it's for this. Always one. the age for me, Daniel. King December third. December third, we have a fight night card that is going to be in Orlando, Florida. We've got fans in the building for another fight night card. Those are always fun. Um, a couple of fights to announce. I guess some some fights that were already part of that 12-3. That's Brunson Hermanson, uh, Nikolaus Schnell, Eric Anders, and Kyle Dawkins. And we also have, in addition to that 12-3 gar- card, JSP, Jonathan Pierce, and Darren Elkins with fans in the building. I saw that. I saw Good that. for JSP. Oh, go ahead, Dan. I'm, I'm asking, is this his first fight back with fans um, since his debut in Boston? I don't know the answer to that. It's probably a safe bet. I think it is. Was he on that pay-per-view he on that pay-per-view card? Was he on uh... – he might have been on a pay-per-view card. I'm gonna get the stats department on. I will okay. have it. Yeah, not totally important. He was on 266. Yeah, that was in the T-Mobile arena. Yeah, never mind. Yeah. Um, nonetheless, though, this is gonna be an interesting one. I don't remember who I was talking to it about. And again, I don't want to ruin a future set the spread, but I think oh, it was you, Kobe. I, I think we see JSP as a pretty sizable favorite in that spot. Potentially as sizable as he's been. I hope I'll that was the main card. I'll tell you that based on the odds and the performance from Mach 1, it's not surprising to me. Yeah. Let's see. Where are we at? Uh, Billy Q, Billy Quarantillo, and Alexander Hernandez, December 10th, 282. Uh, and that one's at Featherweight. Hernandez coming down to Featherweight for it. Yeah, that, that's a big part. I, I love Billy Q with this. I really do. And that extra cut is, is yep. part of it. He's an animal. I'm, I'm with Dan here. I think Billy Q is going to look good. Last two announcements, both December 17th, Alex Perez and Amir Albazi. Okay. And, and that's one that Alex Perez needs to get to not get too derailed. So yeah, for real. Yeah. It's, it's unfortunate how that, how that's become, but. He needs it. Yeah. I mean, it's it, talk about falling from grace. And then Bruno Silva and Albert Dariah also 12 mm. Someone's getting back in the win column. I tend to think it's Albert, but. I agree. I mean, it's mostly just because Blindado is so, so, so bad against GM3. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that really is a huge part of it. Drive didn't look good against, uh, against Buckley. Watching no, that one back, it was really, really surprising. Uh, man, these UFC, lost man, these UFC matchmakers finna be cooking. That's all I got for news and notes. It's a lot of news and notes, though, country. Um, all right, let's get to this week's card. Let's get some winners. I mean, there's going to be a quick app this week for everybody with no breakdown, um, being on set the spread. And I don't know if Dan's had as many problems as I have, but we've had a good amount of fight cancellations been changes so i would say that preparing for me has been hard we'll start with well yeah um, that's what i was doing on tuesday watching yeah. william gomis and freaking uh, abus magomedov right trying to figure out some Fuck. game plans here yeah reese mentioned the day card it's 11 a.m central time prelims 2 p.m central yep. time main card yeah and i think what do you guys mentioned i think uh, Danny mentioned that a lot of the Paris fighters 
have fallen off this card, but I'm like Mannion Faro, that's missing a big spot there. But yeah, Faro, uh, Cedric Dumbe, Taylor Lapolis. No, there was a um, lot that fell off. Yeah. Yeah. Nonetheless, uh, okay, so nonetheless, let's get into it. So, Aylin Perez versus Stephanie Egger. Stephanie Egger was a step in, and because she fought recently against uh, Myra Bueno Silva, that was a big hit for me. That was the Phantom Armbar, right? The Phantom Armbar, and so she's taking she's got a quick turnaround here against um, Aileen Perez, and the line. Uh, Aileen Perez is plus 210. Stephanie Egger is minus 250. If you follow along with odds, we uh, switched up to DraftKings from five dimes. It's just easier. And the line opened, Dan, and here's what's really wild about it. The line opened at Perez plus 125 and has gotten absolutely smashed to the Egger side. Even though Egger had, I know it's a phantom Arbar, but she did not look great in that MBS fight. But again, on the other side, you got someone making their UFC debut. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the science for me. I don't have a lot to add. Egger's the better grappler and the stronger woman. I think that's why the steam has come, because Perez is going to look to use her jujitsu. It's the best part of her game plan. She wants the sub. Um, it'll be a pass for me. The science should play it. It's, I yep. mean, a live dog. Stephanie Egger has no business being a minus 330 I'm seeing over at FanDuel. It's 250. It's a lot more reasonable at DraftKings, but she has no business being this big of a favorite. Yeah, I'll 100% be playing the science there. A big part of it is because Eggers laps, and and the reason why I was on Bueno Silva so hard is that grappling exchange. She wants to stay at, at range on the feet, so if Perez can execute her game plan, two, two, plus 200, plus 220 is a great price. Kali Taha versus Christian Kionis. And I believe Kali Taha was a late step in. Can't remember. Uh, it's a little bit of the other way around. Kali Taha was scheduled against Taylor Laplace, the return of Taylor mm. Laplace, someone who should have never been cut. Um, and, and I'm on that bout page right now. That was lined at minus 340. So Kali Taha was coming off of what a, a, a over a year long layoff to yeah. come in as a huge dog against a French fighter in Paris. Well, um, lucky and, and for him, yeah, he's no longer plus 270. In this Christian Kiona's fight, he's, he's, he opened at minus 150. Better still not give him a lot of love. He, he's down to minus 120. Christian Kiona's at a flat plus 100, Dan. And I think part of it is just the narrative being Taha was brought in to take a beating. And now he's getting a last minute replacement. It's a completely different fighter. I do think Taha's a better skill level overall fighter than Quinones, but Taha's always had really questionable cardio. He always struggles to make weight. This should be no different after a, over a 12 month layoff. Um, he likes to throw heavy power in every strike. It's just not a good recipe for having that same success in later rounds. I, I expect him to win the first maybe. Um, but I do think Quinones is going to come on really hard late. And um, I, I think that there might be a spot to play Quinones live if you're seeing Khalid Taha fade. I, I think that he's not the best prospect. He's very green, but um, he's tough and he's got a lot of tools that you can really back behind being a Mexican fighter. And, and in this spot against an older fighter, um, I really just obviously 29 is not so old, 
but um, a guy who I think is at just kind of the back end of, or the last thread of his career. Um, mm. I think this could be a decent matchup for the younger, hungrier fighter. Interesting. That's a, that's a lot of verbiage there that I don't know if I totally agree with. I think Taha struggles against the upper echelon. Sergey Morozov, Honey Barcelos didn't get finished by either. But against like Bruno Silva, he rips off an arm triangle. Boston Salmon, a guy who came off the contender series. I know nothing to write home about, but finished him in 25 seconds. And Christian Kionas is making his UAD, UFC debut, coming off the contender series, unanimous decision. I, I think that, that Taha has a spot here at minus 120 but I'm leery because of the way the bets are coming in. I really thought Taha would steam in the other direction. And so the fact that it didn't kind of makes me wonder what, what people are seeing, you know, like what did you see in that contender series bout that made you go, you know what? Christian Kionas is going to be able to beat the lower echelon of the UFC. You know what I mean? Like I didn't feel like I, I saw that. It's, it's the pressure for me. I think he's going to be the one leading the dance on the front foot. And uh, Taha's not a great fighter off his back. Okay, there you go. I mean, that's as good of an answer as you can give. Uh, Benoit St. Denis versus Gabriel Miranda. And the line here is St. Denis minus 285. Gabriel Miranda plus 240. And it opened at uh, Denis around minus 190, plus 150 for Miranda. So a lot of action on St. Denis, which, again, French fighter in France. But St. Denis has had – I mean, he's one and one. Um, so if, and I, if I remember correctly, Dan, and you might know better than me, but I remember that Nicholas Stolse fight not going his way until all of a sudden it did. I'm not 100% sure, but I feel like that is how I remember that fight going. I did not tape that particular fight. There was um, a little but, bit of a comeback. Not but too the, crazy. But. but on the other side, though, you, you got a guy making his UFC debut yet again, another one on this card. And so it's hard as a capper to prepare yourself for that. You know, I mean, it's, it's a guy that had, for me, I had a tough time finding tape. Um, and he's also a 32-year-old finally getting his shot at the big show. So... And there's a reason you had a tough time finding tape. Uh, if you if you click on into this guy's record, I know we had some. I think it was last month some strange issues with like Albert Mozarev or someone having like a completely fabricated record. Mm, this is I, a guy. I, I'm not saying he's a fabricated record by any means, but you look in at Miranda and you see he's got probably half of his. Uh, uh, amateur scene fights in this in this program called Face the Danger. Um, you click it, including his last two wins. Yeah, you click into it. Face the Danger, and Tapology gives you a big old. This promotion has been flagged by Tapology pattern of record padding slash mismatches unless further evidence emerges regarding the legitimacy of this wow, organization's events. Any new bouts belonging to this promotion will be similarly flagged, as will the Tapology records of participating fighters. So for me, that's a whole like, all right, throwing out the Miranda side. Obviously, he's a really big submission threat. He's got a lot of those on his record, um, including the most recent face the danger fight where he was a co-main eventer or whatever, as much as we want to put any weight on that. Um, 
But on the St. Denis fight, the reason why I'm comfortable with the line where it is and comfortable kind of including it in parlay is especially if not especially, but the reason I think Benoit is going to Benoit is going to avoid the early sub, which is the biggest danger for Gabriel is he's been training for a Christo Tiago's fight. Yep. Christo Tiago's pulling out is, I mean, it, it's not in Miranda's favor that he's been training for Tiago's. Tiago's is a pressure grappler who's going to have a lot of sub threats, who's going to test his cardio. I expect Benoit to be ready for a, a sub-heavy, sub-defense heavy first round. And that's how I see this one going. And then I think he's just going to dominate and absolutely just smash on it in terms of ground and pound on the feet. It's it's really just the Miranda's so many red flags. Yeah. The other thing that's really nice too about St. Denis is we we know the caliber of fighter that he can prepare against. And even on his record before the UFC. In Brave CF, you got six and two, 15 and four, 13 and four, 38 and 34, which obviously a lot of losses, but there's experience there. Seven and one. I mean, you're seeing real. Look at the Gabriel Miranda when I was doing research this week. You got eight and seven. Five and five was his most recent win. You do have a four and oh loss, five and one win, but oh and oh. Um, couple other, an 0 and 8 a little earlier on, but it, I remember not being overly impressed with what his resume looked like, ignoring the flags too. So so you, you're comfortable adding uh, St. Denis? I'm comfortable with St. Denis and Parlay. I also think that if you're going to play this, um, or if, you're gonna, if you want to play the other side, there's no point in, in playing a straight play inside the distance. There's no way a guy named Benoit Saint-Denis is losing a decision in Paris. Right. I also think you could play Benoit Saint-Denis by KOTKO. I don't think he's going to get the sub. He might, but he, he has pretty good hands, if I remember correctly, as well. Nasruddin Imamov versus Joaquin Buckley, and that's one of the reasons for me why – the Albert Duryev during news and notes was so fresh in my head. I was taping that one for, for Buckley. Buckley is plus 210 against Imovov. And it opened at plus 155 for Buckley, minus 180 for Imovov. Imovov currently sitting around 250 on DraftKings. The way I look at this is, Dan, is Imovov is leaps and bounds ahead of Buckley in the striking department as far as technical ability, knowledge of, of combinations and footwork is, is significant leaps and bounds from what I saw. However, for a guy with a Dagestani foundation, he's, he was born in Dagestan, Russia, the man does not grapple well, doesn't wrestle well. I, I think Buckley's a good dance partner for him. And I've seen improvements in Imovov, but I couldn't find a scenario where I, I lay the chalk on Imovov here. I think Buckley is just too dangerous at plus 210. I don't back Buckley because Imovov is just, I really do believe that talented. And I think that there's a really good chance Imovov wins 30-27 and just pieces up Buckley for three rounds. Yeah, I, I'm right there. But Buckley's with you, just think. so dangerous, you know. So, 
I mean, I agree with you, yes. And obviously he has maybe the the KO of a lifetime KO of a year or two years ago. Um, since then, he's had a huge right hook on Antonio Ahoyo. He stopped Albert Duraev this year. Um, Great stoppage. Right, but even that wasn't like one-punch knockout power. I mean, obviously he's got like the huge input Kasang and I highlight that they're going to play a million times. But I don't see... Joaquin Buckley just like landing a big right hook and Imabov going down. That's not like it's that that's not something I see. Yeah. Um, I way more agree with you that I think that this matchup opposed to the Duraev one is going to be a lot worse for Buckley because Buckley was able to stifle Duraev's takedowns and then get a tired guy whose main game wasn't really striking against a really patient Joaquin Buckley. And that patience is a huge huge step in the right direction for Joaquin. It's, it's yeah, it something that surprised me. But I yeah. don't think you can out-counter-strike Nasruddin Imovov. And I, if that if that's his game plan, it's not going to work. He's not going to go out there and, like, put on a Abdul Razak Al-Hassan takedown game plan because that'll also not work. Nasruddin will stuff those, and you'll be in the opposite situation of the drive fight with a tired Joaquin Buckley getting pieced up by a longer Imovov. Um, and I think that that's his main problem if he's trying to strike with Nasruddin here is he's always been a shorter, uh, more yeah. stocky fighter. Especially at 85. Hard, yeah. yeah, it's really hard for him to get to get inside on a guy who's not going to be trying to close the distance and grapple with him. And I think that that was Dariah's problem, is he was constantly really without any setup trying to close the distance, whether it was for a takedown or whether it was trying to catch Joaquin Buckley. And Joaquin was like, I see this shit coming. He's not going to be able to see the same strikes coming or find the pattern with Nasruddin, who's just so much more, so much more of a better striker. Uh, and like you mentioned, the footwork is just there's, there's levels to it. So, are you comfortable laying? I I think that Imovov might see a parlay of mine. Wow. Um, okay. No, I I don't disagree, but I just think the improvements I've seen fight over fight from Buckley, I the line is just a little too chalky. I mean, if I could get a one in front of Imovov. I probably lay it straight, honestly. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think that part of it is just because of the finishes from with Heinish and Shabazian. And I, I I do agree with you that there's a little bit too much weight in those because they're both guys that tend to gas. And yeah, you gas against Imabov, he'll light you up. But um I do think that this is a really good spot and like you said, a really good dance partner for Imabov. Okay. I love the insight. For Asaim, a guy that got cut and then Magically is back, probably for this card, is fighting Michelle Figlock, who's 8-0 and from, I believe, Poland. And he has a very impressive record. And one of the things that I noticed from his record was not only has his most recent wins become 6-1, 7-2, 15-3, and but more importantly, he fought a guy, a young guy, by the name of Jack Shore back in 2015 and lost that one via majority decision as an amateur. So I know you can't put too much weight in amateurs, but at a certain point in life, they were close to equals um, with the majority. Seven and decision. 0 and 5 and 0. That's a, that's a cool, right? cool spot. Yeah. And Michelle finds himself minus 200 here against Faraz Saim. And it opened. And this is what's crazy at 110 each way. So I do feel like we missed it. It stuck around 110 for, uh, I don't know, an hour, got smashed down to 200 and, and has been stuck ever since. So 
not a ton of line movement, but I mean like a ton and then it stopped. Um, but it, it sounds like people unanimously are kind of agreeing that Michelle Figlock here is, is a, a pretty sizable dog with a, or a favorite with a two in front of it here against Ross Saeed. And I tend to agree with them. It, it stinks because like you said, the, the number seems a little bit like we missed on it, but um Figlock seems like he's an awesome pressure fighter. He's got the grappling. He's got the striking. Uh, he's got great boxing combos, um, decent judo throws from body locks, yep. uh, good pressure wrestling. Uh, I, I really think he's a legit prospect. And in a matchup against a pretty one-dimensional kickboxer, I think he'll be able to get all that off, mix in the, the throws, uh, have a lot of success with those boxing combinations. Um, and like you said, the storyline of Forrest being cut and then they're like, shit, all of these French fighters are dropping off our debut French card. We need more than, like, just Cyril Gaon and William Gomi. Like, it, 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 they needed to bring back Fares Sion. And he was happy to take it, but I, I do think he gets kind of slapped back down. It's I tough agree. because I don't like laying big juice on a guy making his debut. But stylistically, I think he's going to smoke Fares Sion. And I also don't necessarily think that I don't necessarily think that the UFC did him any favors here by giving him a guy like Figlock, who 26 years old, eight no as a pro fighting on a pole. And like you said, the, the thing that I got from taping more than anything else is how surprisingly dimensional he is. He's not a one dimensional grappler by any means. And that was something to me that I was like, okay, I, I wasn't a hundred percent sure that that would be, the case for someone who's I will say one but, thing that I've been yeah. trying to remind myself um, is, is just when watching Cage Warriors, the level of grappling seems to be just at a little bit lesser of a level than almost any other accredited minor sure. promotion. And and I, I, I'm reminded of guys like Mason Jones who look really, really dominant yeah. in Cage Warriors. And, and what, like I, obviously I don't want to poo-poo Mason Jones because I love Mason Jones, but he looked really bad in his last fight. For um, sure. But, and, uh, yeah. But, who do you feel more comfortable laying chalk on? Michelle Figlak against Faraz Saim, a guy who has shown struggles in the grappling department, or a guy like Imavov against a guy who's as dangerous as Buckley? Where are you? At, they're both similar lines. Where are you saying, okay, I feel better. I love Figlak. I really do. Yeah, like yeah. you said, yeah, I'm in the Zion has bad takedown defense. Yeah, These I'm Polish the fighters. I mean, we, we really only have, like, Jan Bohovic, Matush Gamrot, but these Polish fighters are fucking tough. Well, we and just saw like, is, the Georgian on Tuesday Night Contender Series. We thought was Georgian. He's actually, he was actually Polish, and he was a ridiculous – These guys player. are animals. Yeah, they are. And I'm glad you said that because I, too – I know there's the worry, you know, French fighter at home, Figlock being his debut, but I, I feel more comfortable on Figlock than I do against Imavov, and it's – Nothing, obviously, Imavol is more talented, but I think Buckley is significantly more dangerous. Zayim seems like a guy that is almost a stepping stone here for Figlock. And I don't want to be disrespectful to Zayim, but I think that the matchmakers may have given Figlock a, a good jump start to his career on purpose. Okay, so this is the prelim main event. And you got Dustin Stolzfus against... Asbury, uh, Abuz. I've been calling him ba Abuz. Just, Abuz? Okay. Yeah, I'll tell I, I, I've been calling him. 
See, I've just been calling him Magomedov, um, but you can't do that because there's so many. But his Abu, nickname is just Abu's. Okay, Abu's Magomedov, 24 and four, appears to be fighting out of Germany, and I'm familiar with him because of PFL. Um, he was PFL 2018, and I was lucky enough to watch not only the Sadiq uh, Setabu uh, Sai, but also the Louise Taylor fight that he dropped, and. Yeah, smoked in the Louis Taylor. I remember that name being like, oh, Magomedov. Wait, why is he fighting out of Germany? Well, born in Dagestan, Russia, built like a freight truck, 24 and 4. A lot it of doesn't calls. have that Dagestani wrestling. That was one which thing is, I noticed. Which is, and I was gonna say that's similar to Imovov, where it's like these guys who start in Dagestan and then move outward and train elsewhere don't have that that smother and wrestling that a lot of these guys have, but I mean, he just beat a 12 and 0 guy by guillotine um, in 2020. And he's, and he's looking to make a, a good spot here after a while, uh, tr- after a tough time booking a fight, Gerald Mearshart canceled. Um, Kirzev canceled. Yeah. And Mahmoud Muradov canceled. Don't know why, but so you got Dolson, Dustin Stolfsus here taking on the newcomer and Magomedov is minus 265 Stolfsus plus 225 lined open as Magomedov minus 220 and has seen some steam. And I won't lie, Dan, the line size surprised me a little bit. Yeah. It's way too big for me. Yeah, I agree. It surprised me a little bit. And I mean, I'm not putting too much weight in the Lewis Taylor fight because anyone can get tagged. I mean, Magomedov was coming in at minus 330 here. But Stolfsus isn't going to be a guy you just absolutely walk over. I mean, he struggled in the submission department. We've seen it. You know, he lost to Hidalfo that way. He lost to Gerald that way. But he stood and banged with a guy like Dwight Grant, who's not like a slouch on the feet, you know? And so I think that the best game plan to beat a guy like Stolfsus isn't the game plan that Magomed, uh, is Magomedov is going to bring to the table. Uh, and so the line seems a little steep to me, although I, I will admit I'm not backing Stolzus here. So I really am tempted to wow, throw a little really? sprinkle on Stolzus. Yeah, I don't know if and I, I don't want to like, whatever, ring the bell and, and do the same kind of song and dance that I was doing for Gabriel Miranda. But there's something about Abu's record that really is grinding me. I mean, we obviously mentioned the PFL stuff. That was 2018. Since then, he fought a guy who was 0-0 and a guy who was making his KSW debut, who had, who had never fought at a big promotion at all in a main event title fight shot. It just seems a little, I don't know, handpicked, weirdly specific. I don't, I, I don't know. It's rubbing me all the wrong ways, and I think it's worth a little sprinkle. Uh, like you said, I think stylistically Stoltzfus can land a takedown, have some minutes of top pressure, and win two rounds. I think that, that that's not unrealistic uh, if Magomedov is going to be looking for that big power shot. And I think it's worth a little sprinkle. I really do. I mean, I, I, the, the spidey senses are just tingling over here. So, see, I was going to say, what do you make of the, all, the three canceled bouts in the UFC? But Magomedov was, was actually the one who pulled out of two of the three. So I don't really think you can put much weight into that as far as like opponents trying to dodge him. Yeah. I agree. 
I, I don't know. I, I think that discipline is always the best way to go if you're cautious. So I might not lay Dolph Seuss, but if you find yourself on it, I, I might follow suit. Okay, let's get to the main card here, Dan. This is where the meat is. I think a lot of people picture this being fight of the night. Charles Jordan is taking on Nathaniel Wood. Absolute banger of a fight. And Danny and I set this one on set the spread. Can't remember who got the point, but we were all over it. But Dan, the line has steamed a lot since we set it. We set it very close to even. It was accurate. Charles Jordan is as high as minus 150 currently. Nathaniel Wood plus 130. Lined open, though, at Charles Jordan minus 200. So it overcorrected to where it was close to even and now is starting to come back a little bit, which I don't know. I, I, this I second per- layer of steam is, is surprising to me. I, last time I checked, it was 135 range. Yeah, it's up, to, it's up to 150 right now. And, you know, we know what both of these guys bring to the table. Luckily enough, we've seen enough tape on these guys, especially Charles Jordan, who's been extremely active. But when, when Nathaniel Wood shows up to a Casey Kenny fight, a ridiculously high volume striker and, and, and shows up even though he's plus 400, right. Um, has moments against John Dodson beats up on the lower levels, like Andre, Ewell, Jose Quinones, Johnny Eduardo. So, you know, I, I think that, I, I mean, I think that Charles Jordan is getting steamed because he's a fan favorite. He's absolutely electric puts on good rounds against guys like Shane Burgos who are elite beats similar opponents like Andre Ewell. You know, I, I, I get it, but my big issue is I worry about size for Nathaniel Wood because Nathaniel Wood, I believe that Casey Kenny fight was at 130, um, 35. I believe the Consonata fight was 135. I believe the John Dotson fight was 135. But he was and- killing himself to get down to 135. He's not he was, he's, he's not a but small- he's 5'6. Jordan's like 5'9. Um, Jordan used to fight at 155. The size argument is that's 100% what I'm saying. And so, and so the other part too is what doesn't show up on the reach sheet for topology is Jordan likes to kick, man. And I don't know if Nathaniel Wood can close the distance on Jordan without taking a lot of damage. And that's really where I don't want to lay the 150 on Jordan because I really like Nathaniel Wood and I know he always brings his value. I also don't see an, a, a true path to victory for Nathaniel Wood outside of grinding out a decision, you know? So that, yeah. Okay, so I, I was about to say that I disagree with you, but I, I do see a path to victory for Nathaniel Wood. Grinding and out a decision, it, right? Yeah, it, it's, yeah, it's partially because I think of the two of them, he's the only one that's got a legit grappling skill set. Obviously, I have a ton of respect for Jordan. I think he actually won that his last fight versus uh, Shane Burgos. We had some New York fans and, and just a home, home crowd affecting a little bit of the judges, I think. Yeah. Um, but I do think that Wood, on top of his speed advantage, is the more dynamic fighter. He has the ability to make this a wrestling match for a couple minutes around. And I think that that change of pace would really give him an advantage, and especially the way the line is moving. And this, in all transparency, this is a fight where I've moved back and forth a whole, whole lot this week. Yeah. And at 135, I was actually thinking I was liking Jordan. And now I'm seeing it at 150, whatever, 125 the other way. And I think Nathaniel Wood is where I'm going to end up. He's faster. He's more dynamic. We, Like you just said, he, he had a really, really great performance 
against a guy in Casey County who we all think is right on the cusp of elite. And I know that Jordan is is maybe on that cusp, but I'm saying maybe because like I have Chain Burgos on that cusp, and obviously that was a little bit of a gatekeeping moment. It was it was a toss up of a fight, but my confidence saying that any one of those guys can challenge for gold anytime, I'm actually more confident saying that neither can. And so Nathaniel Wood, I think his name is the prospect. I think he has the better skill set as a prospect. But here's the uh, to beat Jordan. But here's the age old question. Is it going to see your card? Because if it's not going to see your card, then it's just a risky, a risky guess. But it, are you going to say I'm going to have a, a unit on Nathaniel Wood? Come too early to tell. It really is too early okay. to tell. I'll, I'll have okay. an official. Uh, no, I'm and and I, that's I, I might not have an official play, but I'll have an either pass. That's or fine. But play. I'm always. Um, um, as our listeners, they can find my stuff at betmma or bettips.mma. Um, Dan K. Wagers. I'll also be posting on Twitter, same as you. No, that that's that's all good. But as as the 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 moderator, I will always hold your feet to the Please fire do. as a gambler. Yeah, I will. And so, no, Dan's always as honest as they come when he lies plays. But I don't want people placing anything if Dan's not putting his hard-earned cash because. If you follow Dan, if you tail Dan, I guarantee you'll be green. Uh, just remember, make sure to check the Dank Wagers, check APPRP to make sure that we are that we have our money down on these things because you don't want to just – because, again, we still have some finalizing to do before that. Continuing up the main card, we got William Gomez, Gomez versus Jarno Arenz. Both of these guys, I believe, are making their UFC debut. Um, Gomez is for sure. Arenz is for sure. So we got two guys making their UFC debuts. And the line is William. They have Gomi on the freaking tap out uh, against best fight odds. Uh, Gomi minus 215 against Arenz plus 185. The line opened at 225 for, for Gomi. And so I very little line movement. And... I'll explain it really quickly. The reason why there's very little line movement is the same reason why I wasn't sure if these guys are making their UFC debut. What's going on. It's because there's not a lot of tape out here on these guys. I tried, Dan. I tried. It's a lot. The brave, I could get some brave CF, but outside of that, I had a tough time finding film on these guys. And when that usually happens, I, I sometimes lead to- towards what camp they're fighting out of. For as far as preparation, both camps don't have a lot of guys. Um, they actually might be at the same team. Um, and not. so I'll tell you that they're not. Yeah. Team, team thriving and team freaking uh, no affiliation. So for, for William Gomi, who's the favorite. So Dan, this one out of all the cards on the main card, I am completely lost. So please uh, take over. In all honesty, I spent a decent chunk of Tuesday night. Good. That makes me happy. That's Gomi. perfect. Take the floor. Uh, all you. The guy is, I don't want to say legit prospect, but he has a lot of tools. He's so, so green. He's crazy fast. I'm talking hands and feet. Good footwork. Um, also is a like junkyard dog, the way that he'll really seek out these takedowns. Won't give it up. He has cardio. Um, I really think that there's a great frame to build on here. Um, I worry about just the level of competition that he's seeing. Obviously we're talking about a 25 year old guy who 
at this point has only had what 11 fights um they're not like reese said there's not a lot of high level promotions here it's like cage warriors might be the peak um aries fc is pretty decent but it, it's not a lot of guys who I mean, we, we mentioned it with the Guram Matuch. It's not a lot of guys who will look back on matchups and be like, wow, that's cool. Or, or when Jack right. Shore was, uh, but I, whatever. Um, but he is fast and he's, he's got a lot of tools. He's really green. In this fight, I don't understand why he's so big. I think it has a lot to do with him being in Paris, fighting in Paris, a local guy. I think he's getting better well, there. Bo- they're both local guys, I believe. Yarno is, uh, he's like Netherlands. Netherlands. Yeah. My apologies. Yep, yep, yep. So not local. But he, he has a lot better of a resume, if you will, in terms of, of just what he's seen. We're talking um, EFC. We're talking, um, what else? UAE Warriors, Brave CF. Um, he, he's got to me a lot more experience and I know they're both making their debut, but in a matchup where I think that both guys are pretty green, um, and we're getting a short notice turn or a really quick turnaround. I think it's less than a month, um, for Yarno Aaron's in, in a fight where he looks so great. I think he's going to be on smoke and, and catching a, a guy with that much confidence at this dog price is really interesting. Uh, I'm going to continue to look into it. Like Reese said, I, he can hold my feet to the fire. It's not a play yet, but it's really, really intriguing with this big of a, of a price. I mentioned it with Stephanie Egger. I mentioned yep. it with, uh, I think it was just Stephanie Egger. It's just at no point should William Gomi be a minus two fifty favorite in his debut. Like that's it's just silly. I don't care who he's fighting. It's just a little silly. And, and I think and, that the guy with more experience is worth another look. I also was gonna say you you could make another system here with when two guys under the age of what twenty eight or whatever where they're raw making their debut. Like the underdog bet is just as enticing as a women's dog. You know what I mean? Because it's so hard to make an actual accurate line. Yeah, it's, it, it, that's, it's similar to heavyweight. It's volatile. They, like yes. these dogs don't need that much to have the tables completely flipped. Bingo. Nazred Hackbrast taking on John McDessey, which is an underrated fight, in my opinion, not getting talked about enough. Nazred finds himself at a whopping minus 230, and it opened at Nazred minus 200, Saw a little bit of movement on, on the Magdesi side, and then it just ran. And and Nazareth is, is minus 230 here. I mean, Dan, I've been burned on Nazareth. Um, I'm not even going to say a little bit, a lot. Uh, I, I Luckily, I took Bobby Green his last time out. But Dan Hooker, I, I had Nazareth. Nazareth dropped. And I also had Nazareth against Drew Dober. Um I was on the other side of every single one of those. You took uh, Nazareth. No, no, I was on Bobby Green. I guess the other two. Okay, but I'm a I'm a not a fade Nazareth guy, right? uh, Because but I was also on Rafa Garcia. I I, maybe I am a fade Nazareth guy. Yeah, yeah. I was a big Nazareth guy because I love what I saw from his hands. 
But then when you put him up against great stylistic matchups like Dan Hooker, he falls short. And, and he got pieced up in that fight. It wasn't close. Really exposed in that fight. And that's yeah. the key for me. It, it's He's got decent boxing. He knows that he has decent boxing to the point where when he gets in there, that's really all he wants to do. And it's unreliable almost to the point where he's making Rafa look good, even though he's winning that fight. He's making Alex Munoz look better than the number. Uh, I, I really think that Drew Dober fight where he came in as, I think, a massive favorite. What was it? Minus 350, I'm seeing. He came in versus Drew Dober on that day. That changed yep. his career. And yep. I don't think he's looked the same since. And no, this agree. is another spot where he's coming in as a big, big favorite against a guy who I think can strike with him. And so I was okay. So I'm going to stop you because I was saying on set the spread that I like Mac Dessie. You were saying that yeah, you might I be flipped. finding yourself on Nazareth. You flip? Yep. Yeah, me too. 100%. And obviously, you can't value on Mac Dessie. Obviously, we can't ignore the narrative. Uh, they both used to train at TriStar. There was some injury, I think, that went down in training with Mac Desi and, like, Mickey Gall that Fares Zahavi took Mickey Gall's side on. And so Mac Desi had to leave TriStar and is now somewhere else. But Nasrat's going to have uh, Zahavi in his corner, and they think that they have some secret, and maybe that's playing into the line. But I think that the experience is on Mac Desi's side. Obviously, he's not taking this fight, like, knowing, oh, I got creamed in sparring rounds. I, they, they clearly, on both sides, know or are confident in, the, in themselves. And so I, I think that with the line as it is, having the experience advantage, as we always talk about, Matt yep. Desi's a really live dog here. Yep. And that is exactly why I think that the, the price point is off, is because – I mean, we're looking at Magdassi facing a striker like Bahamundes but getting the job done. So the it's experience always if yep. Nazareth's going to stay striking yep. the whole time. And I genuinely think that he's not game planning for anything else. I've yep. never seen him game plan for anything else, but it'll yep. be irresponsible when he doesn't mix it up. Exa- I mean, exactly. Alessio De Carico is taking on Roaming Kopilov, and the line when I last checked was close to even. And guess what, Dan? It is dead even, minus one ten each way. Pick him, Dan. Who are you picking? I'm picking De Carico. Uh, not playing him. This is not what I'm confident in. Yeah. But I have Kopilov as a one-dimensional boxer. That's really all I've seen from him. I don't expect him to mix it up a lot. Um, De Carico, as kind of hit or miss as he is, I mean, like. We're seeing him get caught with the same head kick that he landed on Joaquin Buckley yeah, the fight previous, ridiculous. like the exact same head kick <laughs> at the exact same time. Um, obviously, that's not a good look, but I do think that he is the more well-rounded striker um, just in terms of kickboxing versus boxing than Roman. And I think that he's going to have more output in terms of those kicks. And so I, I, I th- the really only concern I have is, is the chin of Alessio, obviously, Zach Cummings landed like that is a head what kick I was, that, that is what was, I was going to say. Had him on stilts um, or on skates, whatever the phrase is. But I do tend to think of this matchup of just sloppiness. I like him over Kopilov. It won't. I, I won't be playing it. I really yeah. something would have to be really interesting or some new knowledge come to light or weigh-ins look weird. For me to jump at this, I, yeah, I might sprinkle on Kopilov, and when I mean sprinkle, I mean like entertainment bet. You know what I mean, like point one unit. Um, you want entertainment? Let's do more on this one. 
I would actually. I would. Country Club, put it down in the books. I'm going to take – can we just do one Malort shot? Yeah, one Malort one shot. Unit, one unit Malort. All right, one unit Malort. It'll be on TikTok. Because I'm not playing it either. It'll be on TikTok. It'll be on all our socials. I'll take Roman Kopilov. Danny will take Alessio DiCarico. We have our we have ourselves a bet, sir. Um, Cheers. Let's get to the co-main event. Now we're talking real fights. Bob Whitaker, Marvin Vittori. Uh, Robert Whitaker finds himself at a minus 210. Marvin plus 180 on the other side. Line stayed around even. It did open a minus 225. Dan, I'm all over Bob Whitaker for the same reasons that I'm all always all over Bob Whitaker. I love both these fighters, so that's how you know that I'm I'm not being like I'm not being biased here. I love both these guys a lot. I just think that everything Marvin does, Robert Whitaker just does better. And and that's why I think stylistically this Oh, is- I've got one. What? Marvin has a way harder head than Robert. See, and how do you get that tested? By getting smashed. <laughs> Um, that, yeah. I'm, I'm just talking, we're, we're, we're talking that everything he does, it, all right. you, 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 you pinned it though. Um, Vittori is better at getting hit, but this is, this is poised to dude. The over two and a half is minus two seventy five. They're saying this will see the scorecards. Bob Whitaker, Bob Whitaker is one of the Kings of the scorecards. I know not so much against Izzy in the most recent fight, but like, the OL fights really come to mind. He he mixes in volume with pressure. I I think that Marvin, honestly, I really don't see a way Marvin gets this done. I really don't because I think the striking and the combinations are better on Whitaker. The entry is better on Whitaker. The footwork's better from Whitaker, and the wrestling is obviously better from Whitaker. People are concerned about size and strength, but I think that you pinned it. I really am on your side. Whitaker's I wish talking that I about going to two here. Yeah, no, I wish I could devil's advocate you here, but I, I do agree with you. I think that Vittori's going to come forward, try and pressure. Uh, he's going to eat a couple to land a couple, but eating a couple against a counter striker that's as dangerous as Robert Whitaker is just not smart. We saw guys like Joel Romero just get stifled and stifled and stifled. Matador, 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 and Robert just one, two, three, one, two, three. I think that's what we'll get in this fight too. Let me ask you a question. Are we in the point of the lock game where we're looking to still take decent favorites? And then the follow question is thoughts on placing Bob Whitaker. I'm interested and I'm really only comparing it to like Figlack and, and a couple of uh, over. And one I and feel way better about Bob Whitaker personally. What about the over one and a half in, um, Imovov Buckley because I, I like like I said in the over one and a half for Dariah Buckley we're still riding on everyone sees Joaquin Buckley and it's accompanied by highlight real knockout I'd be sweating that, my he doesn't have it. punching power and, and what Imovov doesn't really have punching power either what's the line on that minus 180 for one and a half it should be okay. minus 180 for two and a half table it that'll see my card obviously we don't have to lock it'll it. see my see card my too card. table it for now but I, I, I guess I want to show the audience the confidence I have behind Whitaker here. And it sounds like, sounds like you echo it. Yeah. Main event, Cyril gone, tied to Ivasa. It's going to be really hard to find spots here. Cyril gone is a massive minus 520. Tied to Ivasa plus 410. And what's even better, Dan, 
is what you guys did. We were talking pre-show about with some of the contender series locks and the Braves. I've been doing all week with baseball bats, tying it, and the last leg of the parlay being uh, Cyril. Because I don't see a scenario where Cyril loses outside of getting caught. But if he's not getting caught from Francis Ngannou, he's not getting caught from Derek Lewis, he's not getting caught from Jarzinho Rosenstreich, I don't know why all of a sudden he's going to get caught by Tui Vasa. I think that Cyril Gans, what makes him so special is his footwork and elusiveness for a heavyweight. He's a heavyweight who moves like a middleweight. And so when you have a heavyweight that's as decorative a striker as he is that moves like a middleweight facing a heavyweight who moves like a heavyweight, um, who outside of this crazy run he's been on. So I will admit he's been on a crazy run, albeit Greg Hardy, Harry Hunsucker, Stefan Struve. But there's still a guy who was getting finished by a, a on the outs, JDS, um, Blagoy Ivanov beat him up via decision, which I don't really hate. I think Blagoy Ivanov is awesome, but my moral of the story is outside of Cyril God being a safe parlay ad to add a little bit of juice. I don't see any scenario where Ty gets this done outside of the, the obviously the, what, what heavyweight brings to the table with the power he has behind him. But again, if Francis didn't do it, Derek didn't do it. Jarzino didn't do it. Why would I believe that Ty Tuivas is going to do it? Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, I really don't have anything to add. You, laid it all out it's the reason we should be a little nervous is because ty has heavyweight power every heavyweight has heavyweight power uh cyril has solved the puzzles of all of the biggest power punchers in heavyweight history without getting knocked out i, I mean i'm talking jersey Rosenstrike, who's got otherworldly power i'm talking francis and ganu has otherworldly power i'm talking Derek lewis otherworldly power and i don't really think he ever got even wobbled like I, at no point was I like, oh, he's about to go the chin, this and that. He right. never even got touched. It's he mentioned in a media availability this week that a bongamin fight is I touch you, you don't touch me, and he really stressed the I don't, you don't touch me, and, and I think and, that that's a something that's that he really prides so himself in. Mm-hmm. So, so here, here's what I'm going to hit you with before we close off here. Are you feeling comfortable enough to add a minus five twenty to your parlay? because of the skill difference, or are you just going to avoid it altogether? That's one. Two, and more importantly, thoughts on over two and a half minus 125. I'm so happy you brought that up because I, so to answer your first question, let's get that out of the way. I'm not so comfortable right now. We've been seeing a trend recently where heavyweights have all these big favorites and their skill-wise, they're levels apart and all it takes is, is one clip and, and, and you're done. And so I, I probably will stay away from my parlays um, that's not to say I don't expect Cyril Gant to unanimously destroy Ty, but your second thing you brought up, yep, I might be on the over one and a half, over two and a half, and over three I and a half at all different numbers. Oh my god, there's Cyril Gant is the king of decision. Are we really thinking I, that we saw Derek Lewis land flush against the fence? Right on Ty Tuivasa's chin, and Ty just eats. Him. Yeah, but it's I it's think it's gonna be like two hundred to fifty at the end of the at the end of the. No, it's less about that. Landed. It's less about that and more being like, is is Ty gonna go five rounds? Because he's never been five rounds. He's barely been three rounds. 
are you going to see it where at the two round mark, Ty's just like, okay, this isn't going my way. Fuck it. I don't know. I, I think Ty is as confident as he's ever been, and he's not going to be taking a dive or throwing in a towel or looking in for an easy way out. I really believe that as tough as Ty is and as talented of a striker as Cyril is, he's not going to put Ty out. I don't like, I genuinely think this is going the full five. I think the over three, the over four and a half could even be a play. I could, I might, you might find me on the one and a half, two and a half, three and a half, four and a half, and maybe a fight goes the distance. Uh, I, actually, I love the over. I love I was, the over. I was thinking the same thing, honestly, which is so funny you say that. I was going to lay out the one and a half because of the juice, but I was going to do over two and a half, over three and a half, and, and maybe even sprinkle the over, probably not the over four and a half. I was going to do the over two and a half and the over three and a half. Both are enticing lines. The other thing that doesn't totally add up with the bookmakers is Cyril gone by decisions plus 215. Yet by decision. Yet the over two and a half is is close to even each way, minus one thirty plus one hundred. So they're basically saying fight. They're saying fight goes fight ends inside the distance is like minus two fifty, minus two seventy. So it's not crazy. No, no, no. What I'm saying though is like we both agree that the likelihood of Cyril getting completely KO'd is is on like it's obviously possible, but it's not like the method I'm thinking is going to happen. He, he's in vi- Paris. He's going to be so safe. I really. I know he wins this in a five round boring decision. I'll tell you I actually, that. I actually think we found our ankle lock. Let's just do over two and a half and gone to Ivasa. Could be interesting. What about like. All right. Tentatively, there's a ton of things we can do. Look to lock in the over there. Dan and I love both. Kobe, anything to finish us off with before we close her out? I would never doubt the ankle locks from y'all too. The under in a heavyweight bout is just kind of giving me the heebie-jeebies, but I, I I agree with and stand by where you're coming from. But you're also talking, look at Dan. Dan's the king of I'm scared of heavyweights and Dan seeing the over. That's how you know something's off. I guess there's something to be said about that. That's for sure. I guess the only way we'll find out is in two days, baby. Uh, look for the weigh-ins tomorrow. Hopefully everyone looks good. No more fight cancellations. And... We'll have some live tweets going at you. I know we're going to have some TikToks going and a Malort bet to root for. You could decide who you want to see take none other than a Malort shot. Uh, Full plate this weekend. Full plate. As always, it's great to be back. I love this shit. Um, Who wants to do it? Country. Oh, wow. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.